everybody. Welcome to 2023 and the first spoiler in time of the year. This show is all about the shows we watch after we figure out where they are, what service, what device to use. Uh, that's all stuff we talk about on Cord Killers, our other show. Here, we watch the shows and we talk about them with each other, exploring new and fun things to watch. This week, we'll be talking about Miami Vice, season three, episode 23. We've been doing a rewatch or, or a, a retro watch of Miami Vice based on the special guest appearances. Episode 323 is Everybody's in Showbiz with a appearance by <laughs> Benicio Del Toro. Uh, we're also watching the Korean show 2521 on Netflix, and we watched the movie 12 Angry Men. I'm Tom Merritt. He's Brian Brushwood. Hey, man. I don't know about you. I'm ready to hulk out. Uh, in 12 different ways? Yeah, yes? Question mark? <laughs> you both can't be confused. That's not how that bit works. Are we both talking about 12 Angry Men? I'm going to recommend some improv books to you guys. <laughs> yes, and let's talk about 12 Angry Men. Uh, yeah, we watched the original, the 1957 uh, version, uh, which I last watched a couple of years ago uh, when the show I used to do with Scott Current Geek would do a, a monthly film fest episode. Uh, and we were watching some of the greatest films of all time, 12 Angry Men, on many lists uh, among, you know, the, the top films of all time. Uh, it has been remade many times over the years, but this is the the quintessential film version of it, uh, although it was a play that was that was turned into a film. And it's, it's kind of shot like a play, too. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, as we dive in, that was one of the first things that struck me. First of all, am I getting it right? Is, is it Frank Capra, the director, the guy who did uh, It's a Wonderful Life? I don't know if that's right or not. Frank Capra did It's a Wonderful Life, correct. Okay, but I don't this know. This was Sidney Lumet. Okay, sorry. So Sidney Lumet did uh, 12 Angry Men. Yeah. But uh, what was fascinating is I sort of, keyed in to the fact that after the establishing shots, there's like a 20 minute unbroken shot. And I remember thinking, this is remarkable. And then I realized also fairly easy when it's staged and performed as a play. And, uh, right. and then I You're dialed back my room. enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's still, uh, I, I know that uh, Hitchcock did the, did that with rope where, where he did like the whole movie as a single shot. Uh, basically, and that it was kind of a gimmick. So, so it's it's a it's still a technical uh, marvel. And I liked I liked how that opening kind of shows you the setting without having to tell you anything. There's there's a person in a rush. There's a person very down on their luck. There's a person very excited right next to the person down on their luck. And it's like, yes, we're taking you through all. This is what a courthouse is like. I, I thought that was very nicely done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bryce, was this your first time seeing it? It was. I, I've seen, I mean, I've seen all of the references and pop pop culture to it, but I had not seen the original text. I, I really dug this. I thought, oh, good. It's, it, it, it does a great job with pacing, with, with a lot of high tension energy, and none of it feels uh, fantastical, you know? It 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 kind of has this almost fairy tale like setup, right? The ju the sleepy judge who kind of this is just his everyday thing you got yeah. the the kid you've got all of the different forces inside the jury room and this is just another day um uh you know in in the courthouse so i i think it's 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 really interesting and i think has uh, holds up really well also very quick a very speedy i i, I that, that's part of the reason i suggested it is because i remembered it being uh, very quick yeah 
Now, we were talking about the technical stuff earlier. Uh, a fun fun fact that I learned while looking this up was uh, even though this is presented much like a play and based off of a, a, a play, uh, I guess because of the way lighting was at the time, and you know, you've seen that there's some shots where it's very dramatic lighting for like one shot. Apparently, they had to shoot this movie way, way out of order uh, because of those lighting setups. So the fact that this comes across so effortlessly going between these long shots and then very specific close-ups, I think, is also a testament to filmmaking in 1957. I think it's really, really well-planned and really well-put-together. Uh, I'll confess, Bryce, uh, the last time I watched it was a couple of years ago with my daughter, and it was novel for me to see it for the first time since a kid, uh, and I thought it was pretty good. But this time, watching it again, I had a more skeptical eye, and I was like, I wonder if Bryce is going to be annoyed by how totally obvious it is from the very get-go but I'm, I'm pleased that you got swept up in the the slow like of course you know you're not surprised by the fact that in, in the end everybody turns around but but you are you do get that satisfying what is the reason that each domino falls yeah. and i thought they did a good job with that and all of that holds up really well i think even to the last the last juror you know um and I think even his story is very cyclical, right? We start at the beginning with him. He's looking at the photo, and you think, oh, he's defensive of the father because, well, he wouldn't. Nobody want, would want to be killed by their son. And then at the end, he, well, he wouldn't want to be killed by his son. He wouldn't want to think mm -hmm. his son could kill him. It's and and none of that is spoken. Like it's all just within the acting. It's it's really fantastic. Tom, what did you think? I I, I'm always struck uh, every time I've watched this uh, about the rhetorical sweep of it, uh, even though I know how it ends now. Right. I've seen it. And even if the first time you watch it, you kind of like, oh, I, I guess I know how this ends. Otherwise, it wouldn't make a very good movie. But they earn it, even though you know how it's going to end. They earn it. They make it look like, well, there, there's no way they could possibly have a believable method in which these people change their minds. And they take the whole movie to do it. It's a very texty movie, uh, but they they convince you. They show you where every person turns. You're like, oh yeah, I could see why that person would turn. And it it's it's such a great demonstration of the malleability of argument and and things that and and I think in this day and age the the, the lesson you know for online discussion is uh, people who say things that are very definitive uh, may look like they'll never change their mind. Uh, but you'll be surprised what will change their mind. It's not what you think. Well, and it's also kind of a masterpiece in unfolding storytelling where we don't get to yeah. know what was said in the courtroom and we don't know what happened at the scene of the crime. And so for everything they unpack and then they have a discussion about, then they unpack another thing. And of course, like all good narratives, there was something previously that they go back to that all of a sudden makes sense in a new context, uh, up to and including, like they mentioned, the fact that the murder was witnessed by the old lady, and then they, or, or actually, sorry, the, the the aging, trying to look young lady, and then they get to the point where, uh, I guess it was, I, it, it is a bit out of context, or out of step with time, to go back almost 70 years when it was not cool to wear glasses or whatever. And people are like, those divots on your face, what is that? And they're like, oh, yes, yeah, that's what yeah. glasses do to them. That lady had although, those things. Although I, you wouldn't have to make too many tweaks to turn that into a modern story of, of people still like, oh, she, she was a little vain and didn't think her glasses made her look good. So she took them off. Like that's, that's believable. I, I could see somebody doing that. They would have put it in context. That's, I think right, that's but, but it was very clear that, 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 that they presented it as though uh, having somebody with glasses was rare enough that people were like, so that's what yeah. faces look like when the glasses come off. <laughs>
I I also really like uh, in this movie. I I really like the different kinds of arguments. So you can you can dismiss Juror Ten. That's Ed Begley Senior, by the way, uh, because he's just like he he's just a loudmouth. He's he's kind of racist, maybe or classist. You can't really tell. That's the other thing this movie does really well is that it it obfuscates the prejudices enough that they can sort of work for anything, and you don't get lost going down that rabbit hole. Uh, but then you have Juror Four. Juror Four is my favorite because he is the alter ego uh, to to our our hero uh, Juror Henry, Eight, and that he's being very rational. Uh, he's like rationally speaking, I don't think you can find him not guilty. I think you have to find him guilty, and I'm being very rational to the end. And it takes them pointing out a last piece of of the evidence that didn't fit for even Juror Four to immediately stake true to character and go, ah, well, I was wrong about that. So now not guilty because I now have reasonable doubt. Well, and you have some characters that are uh, is supplicant a, a word for somebody who, uh, you know, basically just kind of goes with the flow or. Um, oh yeah. You have the, the, the baseball fan. Who's the, who's like, I just want to get out of here. Fine. If the tides turn in against me, I'll vote with the majority. Yeah. Uh, th- that meltdown of when the dude basically outs himself as uh, racist, classist, prejudice, whatever. Um, and, and, as he's going on without ever mentioning any specifics, like this kid could have been Irish, Hispanic, Jewish, you name yeah. it. And, uh, and, uh, but then one by one, people get up and turn their backs to him. And it's, it's this very primal, uh, in, in a primate kind of way where nobody can handle being exiled from the entire tribe. And yet this guy went so far afield, he just melts down and he's like, I'll do whatever and, I, I, I lose. And no one talks to him no one has a response to it no one responds to it they're like it's it's fascinating it is the most charged moment of the movie and no one fights it it is so ridiculous seemingly that no one will fight even even the blowhard who's in love with his son or or estranged from his son you know even he turns his back it's it's great yeah yeah uh, it, it's a it's a great demonstration, and granted, it's a movie, uh, but it's a great demonstration about how sometimes the most effective arguments are not fighting the argument, not not shouting, um, and 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 silence can can speak volumes. Um, I also love Jack Klugman, uh, the most recognizable member of this movie, uh, next to Henry Fonda, of course. Uh, at least for, for people at my age who remember him from The Odd Couple, uh, Jack Klugman is is from is the guy from the poor neighborhood one of the best dressed guys uh in the room and i i I love that where it's like yeah you can't judge people by their appearances uh he has a juror five has a history that that the others wouldn't have guessed about well and and also he wears it in a way so far above the station he was born into or or the the Mm, the mm -hmm. the level the class that that he's currently assigned um, there, there's an upward mobility to him and a humility and an honesty that, that really rings through. Uh, a few things that were out of step with our time that I noticed is, and again, back in the day, I mean, among many, but uh, just the casual way the dude is coughing and sneezing on the other jurors. They were like, got oh a cold, gosh, do you? He's like, right? sure do. I'm definitely ill. Ha ha ha. Coughing all over last you. Time, last time I watched it, I thought, that guy's kind of rude. This time I watched it, I'm like, that guy's going to kill this entire <laughs> yeah, Right? And it's like back in those days, it's like, well, what can you do? <laughs> I mean, back in those days when I watched it four years ago or whatever it 
was. I had an entirely different reaction. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, on top of that was the casual comfort with sweating because uh, antiperspirants, uh, I don't think really um, were on the rise till late 70s, early 80s or whatever. Well, and, and no climate control. That's mm -hmm. the other thing, right? right? The fan the fan was all you had. There's no air conditioning. There's no central air in this thing. Uh yeah, uh, and 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 uh I, all that sweat, I don't think they had people <laughs> spritzing them. <laughs> I think that uh I think that those were hot lights and that was <laughs> authentic sweat. Could be, could be. Yeah. Now, you know what yeah, also yeah, probably such a good cross section of personality types. I'm sorry, Bryce, yeah. go ahead. Well, just in terms of th thinking about things that maybe don't hold up anymore. Um generating evidence and arguments out of nowhere probably not the, well oh no the the one part of this that is absolutely unbelievable to me is that uh henry fonda juror eight uh went out and bought a knife just like the one uh that was used in the crime that is explicitly against jury instructions and was then too you cannot as a juror go conduct your own independent research yeah but that was a good moment though it was a it great, was a it was worth it. It was worth it for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and also this is hearkening uh, back to the classic days of murder mysteries where you didn't worry about forensics. This would have been pre-forensics time. Uh, oh yeah, they're just grabbing that knife. They talked about dusting it for fingerprints, but they're like, yeah, they got the fingerprints off of it. We don't need to protect it anymore. Well, like, or or any they just gave it. They now. just gave it. To, they didn't even put it in a bag. Yeah, they just here. And they're also like walking around with two knives and brandishing <laughs> it at each other. And yeah, yeah, and no recorded media of the event whatsoever. Yeah. Everything is eyewitness testimony. And of course, nowadays right? this would have been literally before the memory research had proven how un reliable eyewitness testimony was sure but in this yeah. time they had to accept everything as ironclad and work within those rules so i'm willing to you know look the other way on that part you have reasonable doubt well, and i thought it. that was an interesting part of juror eight where it's like even not having that as a precedent he was able to tease out the idea that you know a witness a witness can be unreliable a witness may 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 think they're telling the truth and not be telling the truth they may be fooling themselves like the old man who who said he heard a body and maybe just kind of again i liked that they didn't just say like oh he was just looking for attention it was like he needs attention uh and he may fool himself into thinking he heard something he didn't without just you know without it being like a base you know fully con conscious of his lie well and again during this time that would have been you know maybe something people suspected by folk knowledge but virtually no science to back it up because the research hadn't been done yet Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I sat down to watch this thinking like, well, I've seen it before. Uh, you know, I'll forgive myself if my mind drifts a little, I, I know what happens. Totally was enthralled again. Uh, watched every second. Same. Uh, it stopped, stopped once for an unavoidable reason and went right back into it. Uh, 100% the same. And uh, Bryce, I'm so thrilled that, that it held up and that you enjoyed it. Yeah. I, 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 I really, I really dug it. It was more n noir than I thought it would be because I guess it is a, mm. a sort of it is very it is a bottle movie. Um, but they between the lighting and the script, they really have a hard boiled <laughs> story here. It's great. Yeah. Uh, what one other personal side note? I don't know if this will mean anything to anyone else but me. But the old man, uh, juror nine, Joseph Sweeney, yes. two years younger than my grandpa. Uh, wow. Wait. <laughs> Wow. My grandpa was two years older than that guy. Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> See, time, yeah. history's not that long ago. 
History's not that long ago, Brian. <laughs> what? There were jurors back in the olden times? <laughs> we had 12 jurors back in the day. Before inflation. <laughs> and go uphill both yeah. ways to deliberate. Yeah, because they didn't hadn't invented downhill yet. That's right. Tom, please please end this bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going to let it linger on and on and on. All right, that is the movie 12 Angry Men. 